We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello, and welcome to the Loose Hand Ruins Podcast. This episode 217 of The Pod, alongside Matt Rooney. I am Joe Musso, and Matt, got a little bit of everything to talk about here. Yeah, we're, we're getting to the point of the year where it's like, Football's obviously heating up. We just had the, mm-hmm. the two that we had the off seasons going. Baseball's in the middle of their trade deadline. This is like on the past couple pods, like the lights kind of at the end of the tunnel. You can see it. You can see kind of the seasons coming back, and we're we're kind of getting back into it now. We we're gonna yeah. we're gonna have stuff going on, to talk about through through football season. Now we had nice. the hall. Of, we had the Hall of Fame game uh, a day ago between the Cowboys and the Steelers. Uh, caught some of that just to just to you know. Hear the, the soundtrack beak. of NFL football. Exactly. Wet the beak a bit. But uh, big news uh, across all Chicago sports and all sports for that matter. Uh, we got trade deadline deals uh, with the MLB trade deadline. Got the free agency window opened uh, in the NBA and the Bulls making a, a bigger splash than they have in quite some time. Uh, you got Blackhawks goalie Marc-Andre Fleury heading to town, already looking good in his red sweater. And uh, Gorgeous. A, a little bit of a little bit of good and a little bit of bad uh, all over the baseball diamond. I think that's where we should start Let's do it. with some of the additions. I know we've been about a week out, but uh, we are a victim of timing here on the Moose and Runes podcast. But uh, the fire sale on the north side probably is a bigger headline than anything that happened in town. Uh, I know that yeah. Sox fans are a little bit more excited because, you know, you add another power arm to that bullpen. You get a gold glove second baseman. Uh, all signs point towards a, not just a playoff push, but a championship, a pennant race push, uh, a World Series push. If the team could just uh, execute, that's a different side of the story. But on the north side, um, the book is closed on on that core. The book is closed on the World Series run. The book is closed on that pseudo dynasty, if you want to call it, or just that era. That run, of, whatever. That run, that era of Chicago Cubs baseball is over. And it's sad. Whether you're a Cubs fan, a Sox fan, a fan of both teams, a fan of the city of Chicago, a fan of baseball in general, that was a fun team. And I feel like, um, you know, having covered them and having wrote about some of those prospects as an intern while they were coming up, it just was a weird full circle thing to be um, on the outside of it, looking in and saying it's over. And it's odd because Anthony Rizzo, the heart of the Chicago Cubs tearing it up as a New York Yankee, Javi Baez, some of the flavor of the Chicago Cubs, not tearing it up, but some, some big moments moments already as a Met. Chris Bryant, some big moments, some big hits as a giant. It's just, I mean, Craig Kimbrell, nearly perfect as a White Sox. Uh, John Lester, different story. But um, it's just really, really tough as a fan of the game and as a fan of Chicago and as, as a guy who roots for both teams, not equally, but who pulls for both teams, to just sort of see ownership roll over and cry poor and let let what, what was an amazing and entertaining quite possibly the most entertaining decade-long stretch of Cubs baseball come to an end by their own hand. What's your reaction to the moves? We talked about it last week. We we knew, Mm -hmm. I think the over-under was over-under one and a half of those big three going, and obviously all three plus went. Like, you knew this was going to happen. It's just, 
it's a shame how long they waited to do it. And I don't know if Tom Ricketts wouldn't let Jed sell off in the offseason because he wanted some of that gate once the doors were open with all three of those guys still in the lineup. Figured maybe he wouldn't get it if they were out of it. But no matter the reason, you minimized your value on all three of those guys. I mean, Chris Bryant, you knew wasn't signing an extension here three years ago. That, that was made very, very clear. He's going to be a but free why? agent. Because this is this is my this is my question though, Matt. And and I agree with you. And I'm just going to play devil's okay, advocate here. But having seen how the New York Yankees approached this uh, this trade deadline, mm-hmm. they were in the exact same position as the Cubs. Almost roster wise, exact same position. Maybe a little bit more pop. Uh, staff wise, one viable arm and some other guys that maybe can do some things. Um, Record wise. Eight games out of the division, three games out. They were almost the same exact team Mm -hmm. coming up to that trade deadline. And the Yankees do what big market teams do, and they buy. They bought a Cub. They bought a big bat from Texas. They got right. They're going to make a push. Now, now does does that burn them next year? No, because guess what? They got a year worth of Gallo left. Mm-hmm. They're gonna sign Rizzo, and he's gonna be a he's gonna be a Yankee for the next four years. They're gonna they're going to they're going to properly pivot into not um, not obscurity. They're gonna pivot into contention once again because they're willing to open up the checkbook. So so when the Cubs do this, and these are all foregone conclusions, and they have been mm-hmm. for the better part of a year, my question is why. Why are you operating like that in the city of Chicago? Oh, I totally agree with you from a Ricketts standpoint. It's the the whole crying poor thing. The whole marquee network's going to make us millions and then billions and then cheaping Good out. I'm, luck. I'm totally Good with luck. that. Who's, dis- watch, who's um, watching it with that product? I'm not food. totally disagreeing with, but I, I think what I, more what I'm getting at here is when you're if you knew those if you knew in your organization if you're Jed Hoyer extending them or getting the money to extend them just isn't your it's not your call. You you don't no, no, have no, no. so I'm talking more from a Jed standpoint than a Theo standpoint, and maybe I'm just maybe from a franchise maybe standpoint. oh from a franchise standpoint the Ricketts have been a disaster. They're cheap, but they're also you know yesterday got approved to put a two story addition in a sports book onto Wrigley Field. So yeah, they're really poor there. Um, but if you knew they weren't going to be on the roster past this season, or very likely, you knew going into this year also you weren't going to contend because you traded you Darvish. You brought in a, a washed-up Jake Arrieta. Yeah. Your pitching staff was terrible. Why wouldn't you maximize your value on the return? Why not just be up front and be with your fan base? Like I, I don't want to bring this to the White Sox because the White Sox – Not even just with your fan base, but with yourself. With yourselves. The White Sox followed you know? the Cubs model from you know, 2012, 2013 when they blew it up and got things back. You saw the White Sox do that. They traded guys at the right time and got things back. You minimize the value on your three biggest pieces. If you trade Chris Bryant in the offseason, you're getting maybe not a – the, the haul you got for Chris Sale, but you're getting a top prospect. If you trade Anthony Rizzo in the offseason, you're getting some pretty decent pieces back. If you trade mm-hmm. Javi Baez in the offseason, you're getting something back. Hell, if you really want to blow this thing up and, and rebuild, we talked about it, you're trading Kyle Hendricks because that mm-hmm. contract and how good he is, you saw what Jose Quintana did of the White Sox. It's, it's, it's a very similar situation. So the, the problem is they're doing this rebuild but also doing it half-assed because – I truly believe their owner still wants to maximize ticket sales and revenue to, to kind of satisfy his, his projects of building up Wrigley Field. And when you're doing it that way, you can't you can't have it both ways. I mean, they wanted to maximize money, but that minimized the returns and the product they're going to get on the field. Now, Craig Kimbrell, 
They traded at the exact right time. I think they got a pretty decent haul for him. In Nick Madrigal and Cody Hoyer, that's nine years of control of guys that are going to be on your roster for quite some time. But the other three, it's just you got a fifth best prospect in the Mets organization. You got a couple, you got like the Giants' ninth and 30th best prospects. And what'd you get for Rizzo? I, I don't even remember, but it wasn't anything more than you got for Brian. No, it, there were zero top 100 prospects yeah. in any of those deals. Um, and to your point, Matt, not just uh, not just the haul that you got and the timing of which you got these players on your roster, but those are those are franchise defining moments. Now, mm-hmm. not not the ones that we're talking about on field, or not the ones you know at these turning points of franchises. But what happened there in the two hours leading up to the deadline was the Cubs sealed their fate in terms of how long until they're back. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they didn't get the type of return that you're talking about here, all it did was lengthen that span. All it did was put space between you and truly competing for playoffs, championships, divisional titles. That's all that that did. And I was on the phone talking with my dad when it was all going down because he doesn't understand why players don't just play one place for their whole careers. He's just mm-hmm. like old school. Like, well, what are they doing letting Rizzo go? He's going to have a statue out front of the stadium. Yeah, probably. Uh, he should have a statue next to Ernie because of what he did for this team. But the the Cubs front office allowed the business of baseball to take the front seat here. Mm-hmm. And I get that. But then when you're at the negotiation table and you're doing the business of baseball, coming up on the losing end of those negotiations puts you behind the eight ball for another half decade. And I, th- I really think that that was the biggest travesty in all of this. If you're going to let the faces of the franchise go, you better sh- be sure that it's going to expedite the process of getting a product back on the field. And I don't believe that the Cubs did that in those two hours leading up to the deadline. No, and then I think afterwards you had Jed Hoyer. I, I think he was on, I think it was Cap show, and he went on there and was kind of threw the players under the bus a little bit, saying they weren't really playing ball on contract extensions. It was that 12-game stretch, that yada, yada, yada. I, I, I truly believe that was more frustration that he doesn't have the money that Theo had to spend on some of these guys. Yeah. But like... You can't go and do that and then expect, you know, to have goodwill with free agents going forward and other players going forward. It was it was a poor taste move that I think kind of came out in frustration. But again, they're, they're doing everything they can to extend the rebuild process. Now, I think now, it might be a little painful. In that conversation, um, I believe they also mentioned the possibility of bringing one or more of these players back. Doing what the Yankees, again, have done in mm-hmm. the past when they do sell is buy those players back. And then so you end up with the player you end up with the prospects and you end up, again, expediting that process with a little bit of a catalyst. Do you see the Cubs buying back any one of these players? Because the only thing that would make sense to me is they would buy one back, again, to your point, to put some sort of product on the field to try and get ticket sales where they need to be. I mean, I think they might try, but if Javi Baez keeps having a pretty good year and you have him alongside his best friend, Francisco Lindor, he's not going to get 200 million. You have an owner in New York that will just kind of pay him to stay because one, that's jersey sales for him too. Javi Baez jerseys in New York if he's playing well and he's a double play uh, combo partner with with Lindor. Mm -hmm. Those guys will be electric. I think he stays there. Chris Bryant, you can try and go after, but 
you just said you were you, you couldn't afford him, and there's going to be a bidding war for him, especially if he keeps hitting the way he is in San Francisco. He's going to price himself out. And Anthony Rizzo, I, I think, feels a little bit disrespected by the organization. I think that's 100% correct. I think that in Rizzo's conversation with Gap on the radio, you could tell how – and you could see it in him. Even – you know, he's mm-hmm. hitting home runs, and he's not really – that beaming smile, not that he's unhappy in New York, but I think he's just unhappy in general with the way he was treated. Yeah, I you know, think he feels as the captain, and I think the I face of the franchise, the most valuable player of this team for the better part of a decade. And I think he really, he really feels scorned. And I think he's, he has every right to feel that way because of the way he was handled and treated. And, and to me, the, the turning point of this franchise or the, not maybe not the turning point of the franchise, but the point in which we knew, oh, it's blow up time is when they offered him that peanuts freaking mm-hmm. contract yep. in the offseason. So that, I don't see them jumping their number. Like what changed from the beginning of the season and this bull crap contract that they offered the face of the franchise um, to now in the offseason, watching him push the Yankees towards the playoffs, maybe get them into the playoffs and execute in the playoffs and not only just be like, a piece of this team, but he's immediately become the heartbeat of this team because that's yeah. what the Yankees very much lacked. Having been up close and personal with them and being around a lot of Yankees fans and being 30 minutes from the ballpark here, you get the sense that it's a team, and we've talked about it in the past, that doesn't just lack identity, but it lacks leadership. Yeah, Aaron Judge is a big bat. Yeah, John is a big bat. Yeah, DJ LeMay, who might be the vocal guy, but like, there's no, like, there's no one that there's no one that they can really just hitch their wagon to and say, we're following that guy. Mm-hmm. And I think Rizzo has quickly already become that in this Yankees clubhouse because that's who he is. He's infectious. He's one of the easiest guys in any sport to root for, whether you're a fan of him, whether he's on your team, whether he's on your rival team. He's just one of those guys. And um, I, I just I'm getting away from the, the, the core of the point that. I just don't think that there's a reconciliation to be had there because of the way that he feels that Cubs management and Cubs ownership treated him at the tail end of all of this. No, I think that was the worst breakup of the three of them. I don't think it was really all that close. And if you're going to offer him that contract, they offered him the offseason. Just don't at all. Just or don't let it leak, whatever, because that gave them even kind of less goodwill, it, it seems like. And it's easy. Yeah. It's always easy to uh, it's always easy to stand amongst the crowd and hurl rocks up at the ivory tower, and that's a lot of times what we do in these situations. Is that the billionaire owners with money with money coming out of their ears? We stand down here and we throw rocks up at the ivory tower, and you know what? They deserve each and every one of those rocks in my eyes. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's an easy layup. Oh, you know, teams crying poor. Oh, we don't have the money. We don't have the players. We don't have the leadership, this, that, and the other. Well, you know what? In this situation, it's my belief that Cubs ownership should be so embarrassed to show their face at the ballpark ever again, or at least in the near future, because of what they've done to this team, because of the way that they've gone about their business, because of the way that they've operated like a small market franchise mm-hmm. and and if and if you operate like a small market franchise i hope that the fan base reacts like a small market franchise see what they like they're, start, they're starting see, to see what they like when there's three thousand people in the ballpark in in july next year see what the, see how they feel when there's ten thousand people in the ballpark on opening day operate like tampa operate like miami operate like oakland 
operate like these teams that have continually done wrong by their franchises. Because that's the only way that this ownership can hear your voice as a fan mm-hmm. is by keeping your dollar in your pocket. And that's what I would um, challenge Cubs fans to do is keep your dollar in your pocket until you start feeling that this team's doing right by you. Because this was an embarrassment, an abhorrent embarrassment by, by the city of for the city of Chicago by this ownership. And you know, I, I, I it was I was very, I was taken back by how much emotion I felt around this not even being you know a hand to the sky Cubs fan Uh like it was it was emotional to see this come apart more as a fan of Chicago and understanding what this team means to a lot of people that are close to me and and it just was it it was just a damn shame to see this team run like this and run into the ground frankly so hopefully the comeback is quicker than expected but I mean where they're at right now it's pretty bleak yeah and it's just is there been a quicker fall from for like then the Ricketts family has or the, the Ricketts family kind of had with the Cubs they kind of came in as the heroes they did do some spending early on it's, and then once they won that World Series it was like well we're good we're just now going to try and make money we did what we, I mean, we, we got the one bears. and now it's, it, it's, it's yeah it's so it's, it's, it's very so tired it's so tired no, and that's, sickening that's that in the city of Chicago we compare everything to the 85 Bears but that's sort of the self-fulfilling prophecy that we've come to live in that reality of all of our teams is that even when it's good, it's almost fleeting. Um, but, you know, we're harping on the one franchise in Chicago Everything where, there's no, well. where there's no reason to be optimistic, where there's no reason for optimism. Uh, everywhere else, there's a ton of reason for optimism. On the south side, the Bulls, the Bears, the Blackhawks giving us a little bit of reason to believe. So let's move this conversation forward here to the south side, Matt. You had Craig Kimbrell at the deadline. You had a gold glove second baseman. Hasn't You're at a loss for words. I love it. You're so excited you have a loss for words. I was trying to give a pause because I don't automatically want to go negative here. But, yes, all the pieces are in place. Still feels like they're underperforming a bit on the tail end of that. You've seen how they. I'm, I'm going to go back to the Yankees here. I'm sounding like such an East Coast, like my fucking my Yanks, my Yanks, bro. Twenty seven rings, but the Yankees have put those players in place and started to execute because of mm-hmm. them. You know, they, they've gotten this uh, momentum push out of the deadline. I don't feel like the White Sox are riding the momentum of the deadline into what needs to be a very, very productive final quarter of the season here. See, I. It does need to be a productive quarter of the season because you don't want to limp into the playoffs. But while they are scuffling at the plate, I mean, there's no doubt about that. Teams do go through these kind of slumps. They're they're guys that they brought in. Cesar Hernandez and Craig Kimbrell have both been pretty pretty good since they've gotten here. I think a lot of the rest of this season, though, is going to be setting themselves up for the playoffs. Like you're, you're seeing Kopech pitching back-to-back days. You're seeing him go a couple extra innings. I think they're uh, Jimmy Lambert got a spot start the other day. Like. I think you're going to start seeing them experiment a little bit, tinker with the lineup, tinker with the bullpen to try Mm -hmm. and see what works for the playoffs, what doesn't, who can pitch in this spot, who can't pitch in that spot. And yeah, they're they're scuffing a little bit since the All-Star break, since the deadline. They've still picked up games on the Indians because... Yeah. The, the Indians sold off and they're that bad. So I, while I don't want them to get a, like too complacent with this division lead, 
mm-hmm. think one, it, it's a little bit natural to get a little bit complacent when you see your competitor sell off. But two, I, I yeah. think a lot of this is them toying around with new ideas, new options, new lineups. And once Eloy kind of gets back into the swing of things, I mean, this is still kind of his spring training. Once you get Luis Robert back and that lineup becomes a little bit more filled out, I expect once we get towards the end of September, October to roll around, I, I, I don't think the offense is going to be this bad the rest of the way and then, then into the playoffs. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, they're all great points, and that's all well and good, and I believe in this team wholeheartedly. I think that, I mean, I think that they're going to be in the ALCS, barring some sort of catastrophe. I think that they are one of the, if not the best team in the American League, uh, right next to Houston. Mm-hmm. I think they're better than Boston. Um, I think that they're going to be right there in the end, and that's all that we can really ask for. My only issue here is that they're not stringing together wins. They don't since the All Star break. Mm-hmm. They don't have more than two straight wins. They, they they win two, they lose one. They win yeah. two, they lose three. They win one, they lose one. They win, they lose two. It's it's just been spotty. They've not come to the ballpark consistently uh, each and every night, and that's where you know come playoff time consistency is everything your season can be over in the blink of an eye now they, mm-hmm. they went in they went into the all-star break the Sox on a five-game win streak uh they had another five-game win streak uh, a week and a half before that so we've seen them be capable of doing this and that's that's the only thing that i'm not seeing that i want to see out of this team is them be able to string together a couple sweeps in a row them, they, the, the, them to win six yeah. of seven just to be putting themselves in that position where um, losses are few and far between. I, no. I know. I, I know that the divisional lead's safe. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not necessarily worried. Knock on wood that that's even going to be an issue coming down the stretch. I just need to see them string together some wins. I don't disagree with you. I, I think one of those. I think this this weekend series with the Cubs that starts in a couple hours. I, I think is one I'm going to be keeping an eye on because it seems like this team. They're young. They don't quite know how to win yet. And I, I think they sometimes fall into a little bit of complacency and kind mm-hmm. of going through the motions. But it seems like, for the most part, in big moments, they do show up. Like the Yankees series. I know they got swept by the Yankees in, in the Bronx, but those were three one-run games. And, you know, a couple more walk-offs. They played really well. Uh, Houston, they didn't play well there. But then Houston came back here. They took two or three from Houston at home. Uh, Tampa, they played really well against. They, they essentially have a... 14, 12 game stretch or something like that uh, stretch coming up here in the middle of August. Mm-hmm. We're looking at now. They got the Yankees, they got the A's, they got the Rays, they got the Blue Jays. I think that's if that stretch goes wrong, goes bad, you know, anything less than 500 or so, that's where I'll be a little bit like, okay, I'm, I'm a little bit worried right now. Yeah, yeah I, I would like them to not lose two or three against the Royals or, or score more than a couple runs against the Indians and, and take them uh, and win two or three in that series. But at the same time, most spots they've had to show up this year, they have. Yeah, and it, it's just it, for me, it's going to be: can they do it against the Yankees, the A's, the Rays, the Jays, the teams that are going to matter come October? So we'll find out in the, the middle of this month, just a couple weeks. Well, lost amongst it all, crosstown begins here on uh, Friday. A little Cubs and White Sox baseball coming your way uh, should be a lot of fun. Just take three of them. Just take all three of them. Yeah, let's this do is what it. I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. Team with. Team with uh, take 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 away the rivalry, take away the fact that it's a crosstown, take away this, take away that. You're a better team than the Chicago Cubs. Do not do not walk out of that series with anything less than two wins. You can't. 
this should be today should be a fun pitching matchup. A one twenty, it's Lynn versus Hendricks. So that's yeah, that's, that's by far the marquee matchup the, of the that's, series. That's the best you're gonna get. I don't think I could name you another Cubs starter at the moment. Is Zach Davies still on the team? He might still be there, but yeah, this today seems like the one to watch if you wanna if you wanna see a nice pitcher stool. Miss Davis, give it a ten. Um, Good call. I, I mean, we got a bunch. We got a bunch to get to here, Matt. But just finally, closing thoughts here on the White Sox. Is it the best bullpen in baseball right now? Yeah. I mean, you got it you got like be. four guys who can buzz at a hundred. Uh, you from have the sixth inning on. You, you got have, Crochet. You got uh, Hendricks. You got uh, Kimbrel. You got Aaron uh, Bummer starting to figure it you out. Got Bummer's figuring it out. Kopech, if you can really synthesize his role, another power arm. Like I, it's just murderous row. It's like. Good good luck getting like if you can get six solid innings out of your starter, and there's not a whole lot. I don't think there's a whole lot of runs coming from that point on against the White Sox. No, I think this reminds me of the Royals bullpens that went to the World Series mm. and then won the World Series the last year, where it was uh, Herrera, um, Davis, and who I, I I can't for the life of me remember the third guy was part of that. Um, but that 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 seven eight nine where it was just you kind of knew it was over once he got there. That I mean. Craig Kimbrell and Liam Hendricks both seem to be okay with whatever role that are assigned to them. I do think once you get to the playoffs, you might see Kimbrell in more of the closers role because you think Hen- so? Bill, I, I, simply because I think Hendricks is a little bit more versatile of a reliever. I think mm-hmm. Kimbrell, from what I've heard, talked to about Cubs fans, Kimbrell prefers the clean inning and isn't quite as good when he comes yeah. in, has to go out of, out of the stretch and all that stuff. Totally get that. That's fine. Pitchers are sometimes creatures of habit and all that. Hendricks is more of the Bases are loaded. Nobody's out. Great. I'm going to go try and strike this guy out. Or oh, you need two. You need you need two innings for me tonight. That's fine. You need three. Whatever. Let's go. It was it was really nice. It was really nice to hear Hendricks talk that way too. He yeah. sat down. He with, literally uh, said, "I Chuck, don't care." Sat down with Chuck Garfine. He's like, "Put me wherever you want to put me. I want to win a ring." And mm-hmm. you just love that, especially from a closer. Sometimes, like you said, these guys are a little bit uh, habitual in their uh, in their routine. Obviously, and, yeah. Uh, especially guys that um, you know try and summon the devil when they're on the mound, like these crazy dudes. Did, and did like, you see, there was a quote from, it was in, when they were in KC last, Hendricks gave up a, uh, a home run to blow the save in the ninth. He came uh-huh. out on Friday night against Cleveland uh, to, to close that game out. I think it was a six to five final, whatever, something like that. Was that the game right after the deadline? When he was uh, circling the mound like a psychopath? Yes. And yeah. so, yeah, because Kimbrell didn't get there in time. I, I remember when yeah. he was coming out, he didn't. It was Hendricks got the save. And after the uh, – his post-game quote was something along the lines of, yeah, after the Royals game, my wife and I both noticed I wasn't piss, uh, pitching pissed off enough. So tonight <laughs> I tried to be as pissed off as I possibly could. And you could, you. Tell, you could tell from around the mound, like, he was getting fired up after, like, strike one. Like, he, he looked yeah. even more angry. Got I just, to I, chew it on that mouth guard. I love um, that mentality. I love that my closer, reliever, whatever. And I, I think, honestly, come playoff time, both of those guys will end up with a save at some point. I, I would yeah. be surprised if they make a World Series run and, and both of them are not closing out games at some point. And, you know, so, I mean, both are power arms, but, like, different stuff. So if, you, if you're not sure as a hitter if coming out in the ninth you're going to have to pick up Kimbrell or Hendricks, like, mm-hmm. your mind's in a pretzel, dude. Your mind is in an absolute pretzel uh, if you got to deal with both. I mean, both of them have plenty. Plus off-speed stuff too. It's just like it's a nightmare as a hitter, and it's it's great as a Sox fan to know that we have those tools. I just hope that those tools are properly employed. Um, we do have some other things to get to here, Matt. Uh, let's uh, transition to the hardwood as the Bulls make 
take a big push or, I mean, relative to pushes in the past here uh, as the free agency window opens with the additions of Lonzo Ball in a sign-in trade. He's going to be a bull for four years with the addition of uh, DeMar DeRozan via a sign-in trade. Uh, not sure what the market was for DeRozan. Uh, they set the market at, what was it, $85 million? Yeah. Um, so now you're looking at a starting five uh, that's way more respectable than it was a week ago, and not just respectable, but expectation of a of, of being a playoff team. Talking about Lonzo Ball, you're talking about uh, Nikola Vucevic, you're talking about Pat Williams, you're talking about Zach Levine, you're talking about... Um, you're talking about DeRozan, like Did you these say are, Caruso. Th- these are you're talking about Caruso. I mean, but like we could joke, but now the no, guard depth, the guard depth that that the Bulls possessed that they were mightily lacking in years past. You're talking about Caruso. You're talking about Kobe White off the bench. You're, you're you have an actual basketball team, and we're talking about um, in terms of rebuilds with the Cubs and how long it's going to take. Well, this is one of the quicker rebuilds by AK. In two years' time, mm-hmm. it felt like we were celebrating just having a new general manager two days ago. Well, now that general manager has a completely new team in place and one that we can be excited about as Bulls fans. Yeah, I think it shows either how lazy or incompetent Gar and Fax <laughs> both were. Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both because AK took over the same exact roster and turned it into what it is today. Yeah. Um, I, I love every one of the additions. I think DeRozan is a per- – from from what I've read, I'm, I'm not the guy who studies the film, but from seeing what, what our guy Mark Schanowski has said mostly, DeRozan seems to be – we should have on at some point to talk about these once the, once the offseason settles down a little bit. Um, perfect compliment to Vucevic and Levine. You kind of have the inside-out game. Now you have the, the, the one of the best mid-range players in the game. You now have Lonzo Ball, a true distributor at the point guard. You have that wing defense with Ball and Caruso. Sorry, the, the uh, perimeter defense with, with Ball and Caruso. I love what this does for Kobe White, too, because it kind of allows Kobe White to they thought he was going to be a point guard. He kind of looks more of just like a, a scoring combo guard, and his best role might be that role off the bench. Now you have that guy that can kind of come off the bench and just be told to go score, and he's not going to be a focal point anymore. And I, I think if he's kind of your spot-up shooter, that's a, that's a role that's going to maximize his role. This allows Patrick Williams to go back to kind of be in his four and now have to get to, I should say, play with a whole lot of talent mm-hmm. around him and not have to be a focal point anymore, not have that much pressure on him. The one thing they're kind of missing, is they, they let Daniel Tice walk probably because of money uh, to Houston, but they, they do need to get that rim protector because Vucevic really isn't that guy. But other than that, I, I love what they've done. Are they going to win an NBA title this year? No, but I, this positions them to compete for a top four seed in the East, I'd say. I'm not sure they're going to get there, but I think that should be, kind of be their goal. And also it puts them in a position if a superstar or two wants out somewhere or, or is looking for a trade in a year or two, they kind of have the pieces to make a move for one of those guys. Now, if this, you know, after a year or two isn't quite working, getting them where they want to go, they do have now the capital to go trade for a star if one of those pops up. Now, my question here would be, and I, I like everything that you're saying. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yes, they become likely a playoff team, and uh, they're squarely in that position of you know, the five seed you don't want to see. Uh-huh. Uh, that's that's who the Bulls are going to be. But like they're going to be more offensively competent than we've seen since you know those Derrick Rose teams. And those yeah. Derrick Rose teams weren't even all that offensively competent, to be honest with you. Um, but we're going to see a team that 
wins a lot of games 120 to 115 and loses a lot of games uh, 115 to 120, I feel like is what we're going to see out of this Bulls team. But my question is, the only name that we haven't really mentioned here is, what does this all mean for Lowry and, and, his, and his maturation, his progress as a Chicago Bull? Is he... I think he's a side he, and trade candidate. I was sure. going to say, is he, he just, if, like, no ifs, ands, or buts, is he just a piece now? Or does he fit in with this group? I don't, and where would that fit be? I don't really know where he fits in with this group because he can't. he's seven feet tall, but he can't play center. I, they, they have shooters now. They don't really need a guy that is, I don't want to say soft, but is a little bit soft, misses a lot of time, and, and really just is kind of just a shooter, and that's about it. Like I think he's a side-and-trade candidate. The Hornets are going to show some interest in him. He's not worth what you but he's still probably not worth what he'll command. And if you have some money to spend, I think you have bigger needs elsewhere. So I don't see him back. I think he ends up with the Hornets or somebody via the sign and trade, or the Bulls might just let him walk and take the compensation. Very nice. Very nice. Um, and, you know, this is a, like you said, just the, the activity by this front office in, in relation or, rel- or relative to the inactivity that we've seen in years past. I don't know if they're done. You know, I don't know. There, there could be deals. There could be that Lowry sign and sign and trade. Now, the um, the only big fish out there still is Kawhi, and some crazy things would obviously have We're to happen. We're not getting Kawhi, not but that'd no, be no, sweet. No, 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 no. But yeah, no, and I'm not sure that. Yes, you always want Kawhi on your team, but with more information that comes out, it sounds like he's kind of a slime ball in terms of the way he's gone about his negotiations in the Sounds past. Sounds like he's not he playing did. next year too either. What he, well, yeah, I mean, he he's come off torn ACL. a month ago. Yeah. Um, so uh, he is 30 years old with the knees of a 45 year old and he's got ankle issues and he's always going to be, uh, he's always going to be a, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A uh, healthy scratch or he's always going to be someone who's looking for uh, to stay below a minutes count. So mm-hmm. if, if that's not, if that's not ours to have. It's not ours to have. But um, no, just just plenty of optimism surrounding the Bulls right now, which is not something we've been uh, fortunate enough to say in the recent past. Yeah, it's it's an exciting time to be a Bulls fan, and we have it's an exciting time that say that for a while. It's an exciting time at the Madhouse on Madison it because is. the Blackhawks setting themselves up for yet another uh, one last push with the core, or one last push with at least Kane and Taze here, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, they got their goalie. They got a defender to put in front of them. Um, how, how optimistic should we be about the Blackhawks right now? I'm pretty optimistic in their chances to make the playoffs. I, I think now that they have Mar- – without Marc-Andre Fleury in the fold, I would have been a little bit <clears throat> less optimistic, obviously. But I think the moves that they made, um, I, I think the position they've put themselves in in a division that's pretty good but not – I mean, outside of Colorado, it's not terribly elite. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, they had three of the best teams in hockey in their in their COVID division. This year, kind of goes back to the normal Central division that, that we're used to, and I, I think they can compete in that one. Um, I I like their chances to make a playoff push, and obviously, once you're there, if you get a hot goalie, anything can happen. But I think this reinvigorates the core a little bit. Now, I guess it's kind of sad the core is just Kane and Taves from what we remember, <laughs> but it reinvigorates those guys. It takes a little more pressure off Patrick Kane, who got off to that unbelievable start last year, was in the heart race, and then just kind of got exhausted because he was the only guy on that team doing anything outside yeah. of Alex to it. But you've given yourself some depth. You've shored up the blue line. You went out and got the Vezina trophy winning goalie. Um, 
it's again an optimistic time to be a Blackhawks fan, which we haven't had much of those reasons the last few years. And it's a credit to Stan Bowman for for going out and actually now I don't maybe it's because he wanted some good PR with what's going on in that front office, but it it, it helps the chances of making one last run with Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane. Kane's still in his prime. Taves probably not quite in his prime, but still kind of knocking on the door of being really good. He's rejuvenated. Gives him a chance. And all you ever want as a Blackhawks fan is Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves to have a chance because when those guys have a chance, they've come through a lot in the past. Yeah. And um, I know we've talked at nauseum about uh, the mismanagement of this team, but it does seem to be uh, it does seem to be a step. I don't want to call it a step in the right direction because it's a leap. It's a mm-hmm. leap in the right it's direction, but it's a uh, yeah, it's a leap in the sense that all right, boys, the time is now. This isn't a re- this isn't these aren't rebuilds mo- moves. This is a reload move. You know, yeah. you got a, you got as you said two uh, aging superstars that uh, you know want to taste it again. You've got a, a, a netminder who probably feels that every friend gone to has done wrong by his name and he's a future hall of famer with a Vesna on his back mm-hmm. like like what else do you want me to do type uh type energy around him so i'm just excited to see how this new group molds together and, and if they can you know be a competitive hockey team and as you said make the playoffs and you know reinvigorate a fan base that uh you know has once again gone dormant a little bit here because um to be frank there's a lot of uh there's a lot of fair weather, uh, and that that might be a harsh way to put it. But there's a lot of a, a uh, there's a lot of what have you done for me lately when it comes to hockey and the Blackhawks. And I'll raise my hand on that just as much as anybody else. But if you're giving me a reason to get jacked up on a night to night basis, I'm there. Let's do it. Uh, it's a good time to be a fan of the teams at West Madison. Uh, it's a good time to have a great time, and uh, hopefully the Chicago Bears provide us a great time because football season is here. And everything we're hearing out of camp is that the Bears have three starting quarterbacks. Everybody looks great. Darnell Mooney's going to be a, pro, a perennial pro bowler. Nick Foles is the best third stringer in the league. Uh, Justin Fields is the best backup in the league. Andy Dalton looks good. Um, everybody's coming together. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's media season. It's, uh, it's headline season right now. What's your favorite headline coming out of Bears camp right now, man? Oh, uh, just the quarterback battle. I love yeah. it. Like, it's, <laughs> I don't know who's going to end up getting that starting role. I, I still think with how – you remember last year we were talking about the quarterback quote-unquote battle and you know all the beat writers really were just kind of saying, well, it wasn't a great day for either one. Foles was yeah. a little bit better today or Mitch was a little bit better today but not great from either – it's been like the exact opposite so far this year. Early on in camp, the all the guys are saying it's been a great day for Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton like, clearly has a grasp of the offense, all this kind of stuff. And then after the first couple of days where Fields got his feet wet, it's oh, Justin Fields is having an awesome day. Some of the throws he's making, some of the reads he's making. Jimmy Graham is going out and singing his praises yesterday to the Bears media. It's like both of those guys are putting themselves in a position to win the job, which leads me to believe that uh, we've talked about it on here. I think if both of them are equally performing, I do think Dalton gets the job just because he's been the veteran and they kind of did promise it to him and it doesn't really hurt you that much to give him that start. Mm-hmm. But I, it, I'm just happy that we're in a spot where right now I'm happy with either guy that they decide to trot out there because I have full confidence yeah. from what I've heard so far in camp that Justin Fields has a great chance to be the guy in the future. And I have full confidence also that Andy Dalton can go out there and, and give them a chance to win some games. 
We've talked about it in years past, Matt, and I think it's going to be further uh, magnified here in 2021, the fact that there's talent on this roster. And I think there's more talent right now on this roster than, uh, I don't know if I want to say the 2018 team, but I think there's I think there's a ton of talent on this roster, especially on the offensive side of the ball that maybe we haven't seen in years past. Mm-hmm. And that's going to really magnify who Matt Nagy is as a play caller. Like if you can't get it done with this group, with a quarterback that fits your system, with some weapons that fit your system, with a tight end and Cole Komet that appears to be taking to your system, mm-hmm. then that's it. You know, then, then, then we've seen what we need to see. And, and the last thing we need to do is be handing Justin Fields a new playbook every single year. So I think that, and, and we've known this, but just seeing the positivity coming out of camp, it really is, uh, it's setting it up to be a, hey, Matt, this is it. Shit or get off the pot, for lack yeah. of a better term. And um, that's that's going to be really interesting to see who Matt Nagy is, because this is make or break in his career this year, not just with the Chicago Bears. Like, if he has as, success this year, as a head then coach. yeah. Then yeah, th- then you know there's there's uh, an extended clock on him. You, you flip the sands of time back over, and you give him time here in Chicago. If he doesn't do well, if it goes awry, you can't really walk into an interview room and say, "Hey, I'm Matt Nagy, your new head coach," because of X, Y, and Z. You're a coordinator, pal, uh-huh. and and these guys so desperately want to be head coaches, as uh, illustrated by. Uh, Jason Garrett's podium uh, takeaway oh, the other day. It, it's coach. And what I don't an know if he's got a joke around. But, you know, that's it. Jason, Jason Garrett was a head coach for a decade. And you take that away from a guy, and that's that's a big part of, you know, a coach's identity is being the coach, being the head coach. It's like, all right, Mr. Coordinator, you want me to call you coach? We'll call you coach. I thought that, you know, we're, we're all operating as professionals here in the media room. And, you know, if I want to call you Jason, I can call you Jason because that's a rapport we have. But – my point being is how to call him uh, coordinator after that. My, my my point being is Matt Nagy might be Mister Coordinator here if things don't go well in twenty twenty one with the Bears. Yeah, I think he will be, and I think he knows that. Uh, and mm-hmm. hopefully, he doesn't coach too desperately. But I, I, we've seen him have success with talented teams in the past. I think he finally has his two best options at quarterback. He's had here. It seems like now the offensive line has to get healthy. They've, they've had some, some bang-ups early on in camp, but if those guys are going to get hurt, this is the time you want them to do that. Mm-hmm. He's got an offensive line. He's got a running back that he can you know trust to carry the ball 20, 25 times a game in, in certain spots. This is it. This is the best offense he's had, the best options. He's got the two tight ends. Cole Komet's having a good camp. Jimmy Graham it, it, last year was more than acceptable as, as a you know 1A tight end. He was pretty good in that offense. This is it. This is his chance. And if it goes bad this year, you have a six and t- uh, geez, six and eleven season. That's going to get weird. Don't for say me that. Yeah, you don't say that. It's going to get. But like, it, this is his chance. If if yeah. it fails this year, he's done. Yeah. Um, no. Again, optimism is to be had, and uh, optimism is often fleeting. But uh, hopefully, the Bears can, you know, come into this season and uh, give us something to be happy about on Sundays, rather than uh, forcing us to be the butt of the joke. Uh, felt like you know last year with that five games start or whatever it was we were playing with a house of cards a little bit and that that proved to be true so hopefully uh the optimism around this team proves to be true uh this year as well regardless of who's the quarterback when we get to see our franchise guy patience is what we need to lead with here but uh we're under a month away until season previews here we are by the way we are. We're, so we're gonna we're have there we're going to have full season previews, full breakdowns here on the Boost and Moons podcast. But Matt gave me a hard out. And Got a hard, hard out. It's about two minutes and 50 seconds away. So with that said, Matt, do you have anything else to say to the people? I roll the ball to you. 
Bear Down. Bear Down. That's a perfect way to end it. For Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musa. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Musa News Podcast. This episode 217 of the pod. As always, hit us up on Twitter, at Musa News. Send us your mailbag questions. It's going to have a lot of fun leading up to the NFL season. Oh, and we're a golf podcast. Congratulations to Jan- Xander Shoffley, oh, yeah. the gold medal award winner. Matt, does this make you think any high, any more highly of Xander, or is this still a... Uh, Oh. Is this still a guy who oh. does, this, does this make you think that the major win is coming close? This gives me a little bit more confidence, but like it's it not a major for me. yet. It, it doesn't think, for me. I think because it's you know a what? Nice win, it was like, a, it was a, uh, he hasn't it was proved a, anything to me yet. You know, I, I looked at something like three of his five wins have been like no cut events where there's not that mm-hmm. early week pressure. So I, I just don't know. Um, don't it's not like he's, he's getting built. cut in a lot of these matches. No, 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 I know, but I just don't know if he's built to the task just yet. This definitely helps his confidence, no doubt, but we are a golf podcast. Don't you forget it. For Matt, I'm Joe. Be good. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.